Welcome to ATL in 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. And uh, I'm here with my friend, True Bane Virgo. Uh, I think this is your first time on the pod. We, we planned this out for a long time, but it never actually happened until now. And, uh, you know, in addition to being my friend, he's a Hawks diehard, uh, a legend in the Hawks internet circles. <laughs> and uh, I think you'll find that out by the end of this podcast. Welcome, sir. What's going on? Appreciate you for having me. Um, uh, are, are we going to play Friday? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. That's a given. Just got to make sure that we're going to hit the course Friday. Yes, There's, sir. The Hawks are on the road, so uh, I, won't, I won't be late. I will be on time and ready to go. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I want to talk Trey Young for most of this podcast, but uh, John Collins has done enough in the week that we, we can't avoid talking about him at some point. So, uh, you know, what do you think of the fact that that Collins has set a career high in, in three straight games? Man, John Collins, he's a phenomenal guy. Constantly improving every single time he hits the court. So I'm I'm just glad he's on our squad. So, you know, going forward for this team, uh, is is he going to be a power forward? Is that really his long-term destiny? Is he going to be playing next to a traditional five for more than half of his minutes? I'm honestly not sure what Coach Lloyd Pierce is going to do, uh-huh. but I think he's He's versatile enough that whether if you want to list him as a power forward or center, he's going to get the job done. Yeah, I think that, like, I think deep down in his bones, Pierce misses the versatility that he had in Philadelphia on defense. Mm-hmm. They, he had some dogs going last year. I mean, they had the best defense in the league, and they, you know, that starting unit that they trotted out there was ridiculous defensively when, with, with Simmons and Covington and Embiid. Um, that was the best defensive five-man unit, just the best overall unit in the league by net rating last year. And they had a lot of versatility defensively in that they could switch. And with Trey and with some of the traditional fives that the Hawks have had this year, it hasn't been easy for them to switch. They, they can switch two through four a lot, but anything that involves a center or anything that involves Trey, they pretty much give up on that. Now, it's different when DeAndre's in there or Jeremy's in there. Uh, but when it's Trey or when it's, you know, somebody like Alex Len, they've got to do different things, you know, blitz pick and rolls or do drop coverages, and they can't do the switching stuff. And when they put John at center, they get a lot of that back. Like, they've got a five-man who can switch stuff. So I wonder, you know... It, it's not great because you lose your rim protector. I mean, he's not as good as he is at playing above the rim. He's just not a big enough person to be a true rim, rim protector. But maybe if you could get somebody who's sort of like him, like if you could clone John Collins and put John Collins next to John Collins, that might work defensively. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know who that who that is in the college draft or who that might be, you know, you know two drafts from now. But, I mean, I think... If they don't use it exclusively or if they don't use it the majority of the time, I do think that they'll at least use it maybe when they're behind in games or especially at the end of games. 
Does that seem plausible? Yeah. I can see it. Uh, I can't think of a prospect that's in the next draft that fits that mold. I know a lot of people are going to say Bobo, of course, but uh, we're going to have to find another center to play alongside John Collins mm-hmm. eventually. But like I said, I think John Collins, he's going to be able to hold down the four, but it's just going to be that pair who we can find. Okay. And, and it's, you know, credit to the Hawks fives for being shooting fives because he does play center on offense. I mean, they just, they put Debman out in the corner so much when Collins is, is in the game offensively, he's, he's the role man. And so right. they have to put Len in the corner. They have to put Debman in the corner and, you know, Debman especially has been pretty good at it for the last year and a half. So it, it works that way. It's just the de- defensive stuff that gets a little bit tricky in the rebounding and the rim protection, but he he's definitely a force, right? I mean, he's to me all along he's kind of been, you know, he's been on the Amari Stoudemire track, like he's that kind of player. And it was always tricky finding a position for Amari, I guess. You know, he was a little, he was too good as a power forward, but you know, it didn't quite work for him center defensively. John could be better than Amari defensively, I think. Amari just sure. kind of got lost. <laughs> or didn't care that he got lost. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> but I think he kind of fits that mold. He's a little bit of a, a tweener, but what a great tweener. My goodness. Yeah. It's been fun to watch. And the backtrack on Deadman, I feel like he does a pretty good job when it comes down to protecting the rim, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, for like two weeks now, it's like anytime we talk about defense and Lloyd Pierce is like, Oh, and don't forget what Dwayne did in the Golden State game. I mean, they didn't win that game, but like he he was just in love with what Deadman did defensively in that Golden State game. Like, yeah. You can't measure it, you know. The, just like his closeouts and his aggressiveness in pick and roll defense, like he he was on at that game, even if it didn't turn out as well as they'd hoped. Yeah, you can definitely tell he takes a lot of pride on that side of the ball. He's he is a fun person. I I enjoy him. Uh, that reminds me, okay, like I prepped you for this podcast and I sent you audio clips. And somehow I forgot the most important thing that we were going to talk about today. And only mentioning Dwayne Dedman triggered it in my mind that in all my preparation, I forgot the most important thing. Do you know what it is? What is that? What it is. We have to discuss Kevin Herter's nickname. Oh! Because <laughs> I yes. asked Kevin Herter. And I asked John Collins, and in one of these clips, you're going to hear Dwayne Dedman in the background, hear me asking the question and chime in with what he thinks the nickname should be. Okay. So let me start here. Uh, I'm going to put in John first, because, you know, John's been around for a year, and I think he went through the nickname stuff last year. Uh, so he, he seemed like a good person to ask, and then I asked Kevin about it, too. Was here. Does does Kevin Herter have a nickname among his teammates? I call it Kevin Kavon, um, just because he's sneaky, athletic, and uh, that's really it. You know, you know, it's, it's a running joke in the NBA. Most, you know, a lot of the white guys are supposed to be unathletic. Um, Kevin is really, really athletic. And we can just hope, and uh, we all just have an inside joke called Kavon. Some of the fans of I'm not sure which one, but it kind of caught on Red Velvet. Do you like that? I haven't heard Red Velvet. I've heard, you know, Red Mamba a couple of times. Right, because that's been around. We, we, we tried not to give him a nickname with anything red in it just because I feel like, you know, he already probably heard that his whole life. 
So we're just trying to give them something new, something a little different. So I, 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 I'm going to take credit and say I started Kayvon. So I'm going to stick with Kayvon. All right. Thank you. No problem. Uh, do you have a nickname? Uh, Among your teammates? Of, I mean, there's a lot of them floating around. One of my teammates? John said that was the one. Kayvon? Yeah. I mean, that's what they call it. They could use that. Again, I mean, there's, there's a lot floating around. There's been since college, and... I guess I'm just waiting for him to stick. I'm like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right, Truth. What's a good nickname for Kevin Herter? What, what's the best one? All right, so I really like the Red Ranger. Oh, that's, no. Yeah, that's one of the ones I heard in the beginning. Once when we drafted them, I think uh, Atlanta Hawks already has said that. I like the Red Velvet one. Shout out to Kia. Uh, she be cooling on Twitter. She the one who originated it. So, mm -hmm. salute to her. But yeah, um, I like that one. I like that one. And uh, the Red Mamba. I like the Red Mamba. But the thing about that is, uh, Matt Barner had that first. So it's, it's just like you don't want to kind of steal his name. No. Definitely cliche. And what about Kayvon? Yeah. I mean, Kayvon. That's what do you awesome. think of John's rationale? <laughs> that's awesome, man. Uh, Kayvon. I could definitely dig that just because, like, I don't even feel like Kevin Hurd is sneaky athletic. He's just point blank. He's athletic. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was very surprised when I was watching his clips in college and just seeing him go up during the, uh, the draft process. So, yeah, I always kind of knew that about him. But, yeah, Kayvon, that's kind of that's, that's a good one. But I'm going to probably roll with the Red Velvet. Yes. And I'm going to slide in the Red Ranger here and there, but <laughs> I'm sure Red Velvet, that's going to stick. All right. Uh, did you read my story on John Collins yet? No, I have I'm not. I'm just busting you because I know you were at work, and it like came out while you were at work like in the last few hours. So Yeah, I got the, uh, the notification for work. There you go. So I'm basically just plugging myself to the podcast listeners <laughs> and giving you a hard time at the same time. It's a win-win. All right, so uh, we talked about John, and we've talked about Kevin Herter's nickname, and so you know one thing I really want to kind of hash out in great detail because I haven't really, I, mean, I guess we've done it on the podcast a bunch, but um, you know I think we're getting to the point where we're seeing more games, you know, we're seeing both sides, the good and the bad, you know, rookie struggles, and when it's not rookie struggles, and and just talk about Trey Young, and. Uh, so, you know, let's start with the obvious struggle at this point, which is shooting. So when you've watched Trey shoot this season, you know, what do you see? I see a young man with a lot of confidence. And that's one thing I'm not going to knock him for. So I'm like, you want your porn guard to have a lot of confidence in whatever he does. So I salute him on that. I honestly, everybody gets on his shot selection and whatnot, but I feel like if you got that in your arsenal, if it's in your bag, you should go ahead and take that shot. Maybe watch the time within the shot clock when you do shoot it. But if right. if you're open, then let it fly, man. Let it fly. Trey Young, um, he's obviously struggling mightily from behind the arc, but he's just got to keep on letting it fly, and eventually he's going to get adjusted to it. Right. And so, you know, he said recently, you know, that teams are defending him 
as if he's a great shooter, even though he's struggling a bunch. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, my shooting percentage is so bad right now. And teams are still, still pressing up on me, uh, just like if I was shooting 80%. Um, so I, I think, I mean, I think um, I got to continue to play my game. Um, I think the rookie wall is getting hit right now. Hopefully I can break through that here soon. I mean, that didn't necessarily give me confidence. That just shows I mean, a sign of respect um, for, the, for the level of I mean, shooting ability and, uh, and what I can do outside the arc. So uh, that means other teams still believe I can do what I was capable of doing, what I've been doing uh, my whole life. Uh, so I'm just excited to, to turn around. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it right. This is true, and uh, that says a lot to him. So he should, he should definitely take kudos to that. Right. I mean, we've seen a lot of situations where, you know, when he's at a pick and roll, the teams just blitz him. I think mm-hmm. we've seen less of that since John came back. So shout out to John for, for taking some of that pressure off of him. But at the same time, you know, I, it's not like John returning completely eased Trey's struggles. He's, he's still had a hard time. Uh, yeah. What about the differentiation in the different types of shots that he takes? So we've got, you know, we've got pull-ups, we've got catch-and-shoots, and then he takes, you know, obviously some of the deep pull-ups and deep catch-and-shoots. Is there anything in that mix where you say, okay, this is a good sign, that's that's not a great sign? Yeah. Um, I had looked up his uh, three-point percentages off the catch and shoot. He was shooting 33% from the three. Mm-hmm. So that's good. I mean, yeah. like, it's not it's, – it's average at the least. And so I'm pretty sure that's going to trend up. With his pull-ups, he's shooting terrible from that area. So he's shooting 21% from the three off his pull-ups. Okay. So he's definitely going to have to practice on that and work on it. And so that's, that's definitely a, a concern for me. Right. But and not just for you, I've heard Pierce say the same thing. It's like, okay, he has to, you know, tailor his practice modes so that he's taking the threes that he takes in practice, you know, more as pull-ups and not as catch-and-shoots. Like, he wants more of that pull-up practice as opposed to just shooting practice. Because they, sh- I mean, all of them, literally every single Hawk, even Miles Plumley, you know, is probably shooting 100 threes a day. Like, they're just, they do it. They just shoot. They shoot so much. But, you you know, over the last couple of weeks, you know, in what we see of practice, which isn't the whole thing, but we see a lot of the shooting at the end of practice, um, you, know, you could see, especially the, the players that work with Marlon Garnett, which is a lot of the point guards and smaller players like, mm-hmm. you know, Jeremy Lin, um, Tyler Dorsey, and, and Trey, you know, working on the mechanics of the pull-up, especially the top of the key pull-up, you know, just the footwork and how to get around a body, you know, whether it's a pick or just a defender or just where you're going to put your feet in that little dance to get that shot off. And I mean, it's not that we, we certainly haven't seen it paying off yet, but I think it's pretty clear that it's something that is a focal point. I won't, won't even call it a concern, but it's just a focal point, right? I mean, if it's, this is a season where I guess we should talk about that at some point too. This is a season where, you know, the objective is growth. The objective isn't necessarily, you know, the 2018, 19 championship. (laughs) But the objective is growth, and you know you can see them working to try to get growth in that area. This is true. That's one thing that I'm not too concerned about, especially with just Trey Young shooting. Mm-hmm. It's like it, he's a rookie. 
Like everybody gets so hyped on his struggles and and then hit the negative side of it, but I, I'm not too worried about it because, like you said, this season is just about growth. It's about player development. Okay, he's struggling right now, but how is he going to finish the season? How is he going to play within it? So that's all I'm worried about. I just want to see constant growth with Trey Young and the mistakes that he's making constantly. What are you going to do to prevent that going on forth? Right. And I think, you know, the, the, the Steph comparisons are... I mean, they're just not right, right? Yeah, it's a burden. <laughs> it's a burden. I mean, people see it because if you watch Sports Center, you see him take a 33-foot jump shot. And not a lot of people do that. Steph does that. So people, you know, naturally want to equivocate those two things. Okay, I saw Trey take this shot. I saw Steph take this shot. So the that's, that's who Trey wants to be. That's who Trey can develop into. It's not fair. Like, Trey, I mean... Trey isn't going to be the greatest shooter of all time. Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. <laughs> I mean, you've got you to gotta taper your expectations to what's reasonable here. And I think, you know, he's not going to be the next Steph. Maybe he's the next Damian Lillard. Like, that's it's something like, instead of thinking that he's going to be the greatest shooter of all time, that, that's not really, I don't think, the prototype that he can get to. But sure. he might be a player like Lillard who can be a focal point of an offense because he can be an average shooter taking shots that are above average difficulty. Like Lillard helps his offense by taking, you know, excessively long threes and having the ball in his hands and, you know, making a lot of drives. Like Lillard is really great for his team and his team's offense. He's his numbers, his shooting numbers are like, they're not bad, but they're not overwhelming either. It's just volume and competency and difficulty and basically making the game easier for his teammates. And, you know, honestly, if you if you look at that kind of model, you know, if you think that Trey could fit in the Lillard model, he could be Lillard, like, plus passing. Right. He could be a better passer than Lillard is. Totally agree with But he's that. not going to be a Steph Curry shooter. It would be nice, but <laughs> probably not going to happen. I mean, but we can dream. Yeah. Does that, does that seem fair? I think that's absolutely fair, for sure. And just going to the playmaking, he just makes everybody's job that much easier. So that's the baseline that everybody should look at Trey Young. Everybody sees the highlights on ESPN, shooting the 30-footers and whatnot. But at the end of the day, from the Hawks' standpoint, we know that this dude is getting everybody involved. I asked Trey, Jeremy Lin, and Coach Pierce about Trey's passing ability, specifically you know, some of the incredible passes that he's thrown with his left hand. And here's what they told me. I went back and look at your passes from the other night, and you uh-huh. made like four or five of those assists are coming off your left hand. Like, yeah. how do you get good at that over time? Like, where, where does that come from? I was just a reputation. There's times like when I was a kid, like I grew up, like me and my dad would be in the gym and we wouldn't do nothing but passes. Like just right hand, left hand, like behind the backs, right, left. Everything we did with my right, I, I do with my left. I was watching Trey's 15 assists from that last game, and like four or five of them. He's making with his left hand and not not even easy ones either, like cross court. You know, he's under the basket and zipping it, you know, in a U-turn. 
how does somebody get good at that? That seems really like underrated, but really difficult. I think he just practices uh, a lot, and his ball skills are amazing. People don't realize his ball skills. They think, oh, he can shoot or he's quick. No, his ball skills, his ability to <laughs> control the ball with both hands is amazing. Yeah. Really, really good. We get the conversations about Trey and things like that. That's the first thing Travis talked about when, when we drafted Trey. Uh, you know, he's a facilitator and he can make every conceivable pass, right hand, left hand. Uh, and that's a skill you just don't see. You know, you see the elite guys, you don't see the average player make that play. So when we saw that just going through the draft process, you know, talking to Travis and Jeff, that's all they talked about was how he can make those passes and you put, a, put the ball in his hands and he's playing in pick and roll and he can find guys. You know, everyone wants to shoot the three, somebody's got to facilitate. Um, so we have a guy that's capable of doing it and has done it and will continue to do it on a consistent basis um, in any situation. So that, that's the most encouraging part about his game. He's making sure everybody get their touches. The offense, for the most part, is flowing and is only going to get better as the season goes and as the years come. Yeah, if you look at the shot, one of the things that Pierce defaults to a lot when he's talking about offense, you know, the Hawks offense right now, it's not like, it's not like the results are great when you look at it as like points per 100 possessions or something along that line. But, you know, Pierce often references the types of shots that they're getting. And so what are they getting? Well, they're not taking a lot of mid-range shots. They're taking a lot of threes. They're playing with a lot of pace. Like, I think they're number one in pace. And they're in, like, the top three in terms of, like, how many corner threes they get. They get a lot of threes, but relative to the other teams, they get a lot of corner threes. So, you know, that means that they're leveraging, you know, his incredible pick-and-roll ball handling and Collins's threat as a rim runner to kind of manufacture offense. And then when the ball starts pinging around, you know, they get good shots for the other players. Um, I mean, they're getting good shots. They're getting threes. They're getting layups. They're getting, you know, a lot of John Collins dunks. John Collins is shooting 70% on, over 70% on twos this season, which is just obscene. Wow. <laughs> it's like seventy-one point two percent. Like that's that's unbelievable. That's you know we talk about Amari Stoudemire. That's that's an Amari Stoudemire comp. Like he's just getting incredibly great shots around the rim and with incredible touch. It's, so you know somewhere in between Trey's passing, Trey's ball handling, and uh, you know what Collins does as a rim runner. That's sort of the engine of an offense. And, you know, now what it is, is it's a matter of, okay, if if other teams commit three players to defending the pick and roll, then what do you do with it? And so the Hawks have trouble in that. They, they turn the ball over a lot. And that's yeah. where they lose a lot of their efficiency. But when they do get to taking a shot, you know, by and large, they're taking good shots. Yeah, I definitely see that. Um, what about in terms of passing? I mean, it, does how advanced, you know, once, once he gets past the rookie wall and he's just kind of a starting point guard, you know, next year when he's a sophomore and it's not, you know, a comparison amongst all these shiny new rookies, when he's just trying to be a point guard next year, you know, what, what level of passer is he? Like, 
if you line up the 30 point guards, where you know where is he going to be just in terms of a pure passer among those 30? Easily top 10. He's going to have to cut down on the turnovers, of course, but mm-hmm. I'm not too worried about that either. But I think he's easily top 10. Okay. So he has the vision. Like, you know, one of the things that I've seen is that, you know, he can pass. Um, he can make all kinds of passes, right? I mean, he can, you know, the ridiculous ones, the ones that end up on sports center. You've seen some of the nutmeg passes, but, yeah, <laughs> you know, he makes all kinds of passes. Like he'll drive, he'll throw a hook pass with his right hand. Then he'll do it later and he'll throw a hook pass with the left hand. He's, he's not big and, you know, like the Wizards game, he got blocked a ton of times at the rim. But that was a game where he struggled. A lot of times what he does, he's just really crafty. Like when he gets to the rim and he gets up in the air and he realizes that his airspace isn't there, he'll throw like just kind of like a, a feeler of a bounce pass, like either to Deadman or to Collins. And it's just kind of like, hey, you know, take one step in that direction and I'm going to hit you with this bounce pass. It's not really to you but it's just kind of in space and it's going to be a bounce pass so that nobody can pick it off without like kicking it. And he does that time and time again, just kind of, it's almost like a save or something. It's like, you know, how you save a ball when you go out of bounds. Right. It's a pass, but it's almost like that. It's just kind of up in the air. The play is going to be a dud, but then he's like, you know what? We can get a reset out of this. If I just kind of throw it down into the ground in the vicinity of, of one of my big men with good hands. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed whenever he does that. Because it's pretty much like most times it's going to be a turnover. But somehow yeah, he gets it through. You think he's going to be trapped. Because you're talking about when like dead men or somebody will be in the corner, right? And he'll Some, drive in. Sometimes it's in the corner. But sometimes it's like it's like one side of the free throw lane to the other side of the free throw lane. Like he'll be driving from the left side. Mm-hmm. There's no airspace. He doesn't have an obvious pass. But there's a teammate, you know, whatever the big man is. Whoever the big man is, it's kind of in the paint with him. They just kind of bounce it into the ground, not too forcefully, but with enough of a enough force that it kind of just, you know, it's not going to get picked off. And it's, it's not, it's always a bounce pass, just kind of into the ground, kind of in the direction of a teammate, but kind of just by whatever angle you can get it there. Cause there's usually a lot of traffic, but he just kind of does it with just, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. It's, it's, it's kind of almost like saving the ball. It's almost like saving a ball and you just kind of bounce it into the ground and, you know, have it bounce up near one of his bigs. And I don't know. I, I've been impressed with those kind of passes. We call that the sauce. The sauce. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I like it. What about defense? <laughs> oh. All right. So in the beginning of the season with defense for Trey Young, I actually was impressed just by him on the perimeter wise. He he's quick enough to keep up with almost anybody in the league. But once when you set a screen on him or something, it's just a wash. Like you can just even from an effort standpoint, I feel like he could do way better with just trying to fight through it or recognize when the screen is coming, fight over it or go under it, do what you gotta do to at least contest the shot or stop the drive, do what you can do. Cause you know, he, he's small, so he's, he can only do so much anyways. But, um, from an effort standpoint, he just has to, he has to rev it up. 
Yeah, I agree. Like, the first couple of weeks, I'm trying to remember if this is like preseason or regular season, but just you know, my first impressions of watching him on defense are, oh, good, look, he fights over screens. And then like in recent weeks, there have been a lot of plays. There was one like a week ago, and I'm watching it. You know, I'm, in a, I'm at State Farm Arena, and so, you know, my seat's kind of at the back of the 100 section, and I'm watching it. And it wasn't, it wasn't even like a particularly sophisticated screen. It was just kind of like some traffic. And so, you know, he's guarding the point guard, and I think the person who kind of set a screen was like a power forward. And it was, a, it was barely a screen. It was just kind of a guy who was standing there, and the opposing point guard just kind of took his dribble over in that direction, and poof, all of a sudden, Trey switched it. And it's like, oh. no, you can't. You can't do that. I'm, I'm just shaking my head, and then I look at my, you know, my tweet deck feed like 30 seconds later, and somebody in the arena, one of the reporters that had a much better seat than me, was like, "Lloyd Pierce is shouting, Trey, why did you switch that screen? Because, you know, yeah, I remember he, he seeing didn't, that. He didn't want that. You know, it was just kind of a, it was a, you know, sometimes you have to switch. They set the screen and they hit it just right, and you're screwed if you don't switch it. You need to have somebody guarding the ball handler." But that was just so casual, and it was such a casual switch that it just wasn't going to work. Yeah, and we call that lazy defense. That is, he, yeah, that's, that wasn't great. He didn't want to fire through it, so it was just like, let me get his breather, get the switch, hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing, and this has been a thing all season long, and it's not, part of it is Trey, and part of it is the role he plays on offense. Mm-mm. His transition defense has been bad. Now, some of that is he tries to go get a layup, and he's not a big guy, and he's doing everything he can to make that layup. And sometimes it's you know, some extra lean or some extra jump or some extra contact that's just going to take him off his feet. And so he's in a prone position up against the stanchion under the, under the backboard. And when that happens, you know, it's a power play. <laughs> right like a, it's like a hockey power play at that point it's a five on four and he's not great at getting back into the play and that's a hard play i mean you know you, sometimes you just took contact or you know you landed hard coming out of the air but it happens a lot and it does hurt the overall defense yeah he gotta get better at the I, mean, I know. What, what's the answer? There? I mean, I, I mean, I don't. <laughs> it's because I mean, he's still going to be taking layups at some point, right? How do you, uh, do you have to stay on your feet, or do you have to make a better effort to get back? Or well, I feel like just with his size, regardless, there's always going to be a tendency where he's going to crash, hit the floor. Right. So uh, it's just he's going to have to make a mental note, I guess. Just <laughs> make sure you make or miss, and get back as soon as you can. But if he's not looking at the game from a defensive standpoint, I'm not sure if that's going to happen right away. So that's when Coach Pierce or Vince Carter, somebody's going to have to be in his ear like, yo, you're going to have to get back, man, like defense first. Yeah. And it's not always, you know, after lap. Sometimes it's he didn't get a call. I've seen him stick with the oh, a few times. Yeah, that, That's kind of painful to watch. It's like you got to let it go now and go play defense. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you want the whiners. Yeah, sometimes it's just you know missing a shot and you know just being discouraged for half a second, and you just lose. 
you know, you lose two or three steps. It's not a lot, and it takes a tenth of a second or two tenths of a second. But at that point, you're behind the play, and he's not a good enough defender that if he's at any disadvantage, he's going to make a great recovery. Right. The layup thing to backtrack kind of reminds me of Isaiah Thomas with Boston a few years ago when he was like in the MVP discussion because he was like, you know, probably like the fourth or fifth best player that year. But defensively, he just he spent so much time on the floor into the basket after he would either make layups, miss layups. He was just, you know, he would get out of position just by playing offense. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a little bit nerve wracking. Yeah, and the luxury with the Celtics, they had somebody like Al Horford protecting the rim on the other end. <laughs> the Hogs don't have that yet. No, they don't. They do not. Like, you could say John Collins, but even that's to an extent. Right. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, Vince being, you know, a role model for, for Trey this season. And I absolutely think that's the case. And I And I asked them both about it. And so uh, let me just put in what they said because, you know, I think it's kind of interesting and kind of important. Well, I went in the locker room for the first time during the first game, and you can kind of see the way the lockers are set up. And you're next to Vince. Yeah. And and I don't think that's an accident. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to speak to anybody else's motives, but I don't think that's an accident. Does does he give you advice on a regular basis? Yeah, he does, always. Uh, He's... He's a, uh, I mean, a great vet for me. Someone who I, I learned a lot from. Uh, I ask a lot of questions too. Uh, he's just overall a great dude. So uh, I don't think it is. I mean, just uh, I mean, a coincidence he's right next to me. Uh, I think it's for a reason like that where I can ask him a lot of questions. So uh, he's he's given me a lot of help so far. When he came into the league, he was a big deal. He's obviously still a big deal. Yeah. But did he ever talk to you about like dealing with the media? Because I know like at the yeah. end of the game when you won over Dallas, that was a huge throng around you. Yeah. Did he tell you about that at yeah, all? Yeah, no. He just he told me to continue to be myself, but also, I mean, to do the right things and say the right things. I mean, and say how I feel. And, um, and just being a genuine person um, with people, I mean, with the media, because not every media guy is out to get you. And uh, so it's... it's He's helped me a lot, I mean, dealing with media as well. Last night you said the kids were good about kids. I mean, my kids are the same age as them, so they literally are kids to me. But um, you said the kids were good about coming up and asking questions. How do you be approachable? How do they know that you're going to be able to? I established myself from from day one. You know, they were already here. I was, I was, I got here, I signed later, so I got here later. But that's just who I am from day one. I was just, I just stepped in and just start talking to guys before they actually knew me and knew that I was approachable. You know, I made myself available and approachable. And I think at this point, over a month, month and a half, uh, because of coach allowing me to say things in practice, because of when we work out and do shooting things, you know, I got I started doing shooting drills with DeAndre, and it's just the two of us, and it's now become. A, a, a fun thing, but it's a drill that works on just just to give us things. So guys, you know, it just it just happened organically. I think and more than anything, it's like you tend to know guys who you know. I guess they respect the fact that I've been around twenty plus years, <laughs> pretty much all of their lives, and they say, "Who better than the ass?" So it works. <laughs> One more, then I gotta get him. Yep. Last night I was in front of your locker, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah, yeah. But that was like a deliberate thing because when I was in Utah, like Trey, like everybody was like 
four inches from Trey. And so I just like processing that whole scene, I was like, I'm going to like stand a little bit no, further back. Do you give him any advice about handling the media? Because it's an incredible crush that he gets. And, and, and the funny thing, the cool thing about it, I think, I, I think I'm speaking on his side mm -hmm. of that. Well, for me, I've been there, so it's great to see it, mm -hmm. you know, and I you know, can relive it. But he sits by me in the locker room. He sits okay. by me on the plane. So we have a lot of conversations. Some of it's just general conversation, just about whatever that leads into different things that helps him. So, um, you know, that's just, the, that's just the process that we will go through. I mean, there's so many things that we, we, we talk about and we're trying to get him acclimated to and comfortable with because uh, he's, a, he's a star before he walked on the court, before he played a minute. Mm -hmm. And as a star like that, when you're perceived, not perceived, but you looked at for the other people as a challenge, that X is already on your back. So I think the most important thing right now is just getting the handle. What if you don't have a good night? What's said about you, how to handle it? You know, social media. And uh, you know that was one of the first things we talked about, and everything else kind of falls behind. And, and I think he's he's had he has his head on the shoulders, and he speaks well. He he handles tough questions. I think well at a young age, being in that situation. So it only gets better. So I'm just glad I can be there. And you know, he he asks a lot of questions. Like he's like, what do you think about it? What do you know about it? What should I? Whatever. And it's just great. So he has his head on the shoulder. He kind of understands the situation he in, who he's in, and who he is. You know, do you think Vince is the right person for this job? You know, if you kind of look across the landscape of the NBA last summer and you're thinking, hmm, you know, I, I want to get somebody who's going to be a mentor for this Trey Young kid I've got coming in. I think Vince Carter is perfect for the job. When, when we signed him, I was ecstatic mm -hmm. just because, I mean, like 20, 21 years in a 21 seasons in the NBA, like you can't. Can't beat that. He's a legend. Everybody respects him. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, like, he was an excellent signer. So, salute to Travis Schlink for that one. Yeah, and he's actually been around so long that he's done exactly this before. Like, when he was in Memphis, this was kind of his job. And when he was in Sacramento, it was definitely kind of his job to kind of mentor some of those young kids over in Sacramento. Yeah. And, they're doing all right, those kids. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, Sacramento looking very nice after Vince Carter left. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure he was up in them boys' ears every single day, and they took heed of that. And, of course, like you can't credit their success to all to Vince Carter, but you, I'm pretty sure he was a big part of that equation. Yeah. Phoenix, so. Phoenix didn't have a Vince Carter. Oh, yeah. You and see where they are. Chicago had. didn't have a Vince Carter, but Sacramento did. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm with you. I I think Vince is perfect for this job. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he he's got a lot of respect, not just from the from the players on the Hawks and the young players on the Hawks, but really around the league. You you can kind of see it every night. The opposition they they respect him quite a bit, without a doubt. Even uh, DeAndre Jordan. I always think about that Mavs game at Phil's Arena when. Uh, DeAndre, I, no, it was Wes that had got into it with Trey Young, and Vince stepped aside like, "Yo, you already know what's up. Like, don't come at my boy." <laughs> and then what happened? Wes backed down. He wasn't really trying to talk after that. And the same with, De with DeAndre Jordan. It was I'm not even gonna say on no bully stuff, but I had seen when Vince Carter had slapped the ball out of DeAndre Jordan's hands. <laughs> <laughs> 
like just just getting in his head or whatnot with those little tactics and stuff like that work. He's and, a grown up. Yeah, and DeAndre Jordan, like he he's an enforcer in the league without a doubt, and he didn't even do nothing to Vince. I'm like, okay, we know that Vince got the clout in the league without a doubt. What do you he's think definitely he, up there. What do you think he's gonna do when he retires? I mean, I oh, guess yeah, he wants to do media. Mm-hmm, he's going straight to the broadcast, and he's probably going to work for. Um, I know I've seen him on NBA TV a lot with little segments, but I'm not sure what station he's going to work for. But he's definitely going to be. He might even be staying in Atlanta because, of course, with the opportunities of around here. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hire me, people in Atlanta who have media jobs. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, this is awesome. Is there anything else? Oh, okay. I think this is a good place to end. Uh, and probably a lot of people, if they follow you on Twitter, already know this, but like, where do you stand in terms of the whole rebuild? Uh, I've seen you re- retweet some tankathon things. Oh, yeah. So when you say that the objective for this season is sort of player development, like, what do you want to see? Do you want to see these kids get a few wins so that they don't get discouraged? I mean, are they supposed to win 15 games? Are they supposed to win 30 games? True, what are you looking for out of this season in terms of balancing player development and positive reinforcement and getting a sweet old draft pick? Oh, yeah. All right, so I'm not with the tanking. I'm with the slinking. So that's competitive tanking. Um, I'm fine with them getting wins here and there. Like you don't want them to to get discouraged or anything. Like, so uh, a few wins here and there, that's fine. Maybe like 25 wins at the most, 30s, maybe a little pushing it. But with the new lottery reform, I don't think it's going to be too much of a problem because what the top three teams, they all have equal opportunity to get the first I think it's pick. Four now. Is it you three sure? or four? I think it's three. I think uh, the first three teams have fourteen percent, okay. and then yeah, and it go it trickles down a little bit. But um, so as long as we can get into that top three and have the opportunity to get a You're another right, top three pick, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm cool with it because it's, it's a lot of prospects in this next draft that I would love to have. For sure. <laughs> that, I'm that's sure another episode in its entirety. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, I'm here for that one. Uh, everybody will welcome who? Uh, well, me, I like Nazir. Uh-huh. But I'm pretty sure everybody wants Zion, which I'm definitely not opposed to it. RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish. list can kind of go on, but those are the four guys that... I would love to have here, without a doubt. So, the the objective is a top four pick. Yeah. Or how how I mean, safe is safe? I think top four is safe, but okay. from a Travis Schling standpoint, I'm pretty sure he wants the number one pick, and then that's when things get juicy because you know he likes to acquire more assets, which I'm all the way with. So if he wants to get the number one pick, if we are lucky to get that. And then trade back a few spots and get another first-round pick like we did last year with Luka. Mm-hmm. Now I'm all the way with it as well. And people won't like it, but suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, I mean, you know, he's a firm believer in 
taking multiple shots. He knows that not every draft pick pans out. Right. So, I mean, he he, he does believe in that. All right. If, if everything turns out well, we end up getting a chip. I will say that I'm going to get a personalized Hawks jersey with Travis Schlink's name on the back. And what number do you give to Schlink? Number one. Number one. All right. We're going to hold you to that. Oh, yeah. I'm a man of my word. All right. It's not a tattoo or anything too drastic. It's just a oh, jersey. Yeah. No, I don't do the tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, tell the people, tell the people your information. Uh, all right, y'all can follow me on Twitter, of course, at TrueBane Virgo. That's true without the e. You can see the takes. Y'all can bring the hate towards me, or you can bring the love. Is is whatever. I'll accept anything. All right. Well, thank you for uh, jumping in here. I appreciate your help tonight, and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime soon. I appreciate you for having me. All right, man. Have a good one. Sure.